It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, Joel? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademade Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day, everyone, and welcome to episode 155 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, a preview of the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. On the top right of your screen, I will firstly introduce man you've seen on the channel too many times before, pro sports better, Neil Shah. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Very good, mate. Looking forward to uh, talking about a World Cup in. I mean, you might you might even want to call it your homeland. You've got you've got some uh, you've got some experience in Qatar. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I was living there. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, I was living there for about seven years. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of love for the place, and um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see. I didn't sadly didn't last until the World Cup over there, yeah. but um, what was the point of living there then, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and then at the bottom of your screen, we have football tipster Paul from Fainting the Line. Welcome to the channel for the first time, Paul. Great to be here with you guys. Thanks for inviting me. No, pleasure to have you on. Um, I'll share all the info of Paul and Neil later towards the podcast. You can check them out on Twitter and all that good stuff. But yeah, as I mentioned before, Neil, I think that'd be a good way to get started. Maybe just talk a little bit about the World Cup being in Qatar before we go through some of our best bets in the outright winner markets, group betting, goal scorer, all the fancy outright markets we've got. Um, but yeah, first, I think it's really interesting because, you know, we're not in a normal setting here for the World Cup. Normally we're in, you know, somewhere familiar in Europe or, um, South America or something like that. But, uh, we're in a completely different place where football doesn't really, or gets played, but not as, uh, it's not as popular, I guess, as, uh, the European side of things. So yeah, talk a little bit about, Neil, your experience in Qatar. And I guess the biggest thing is the weather, um, the travel, how this might affect all the teams um, and how that might be different to, to past World Cups. Because there has been a lot of talk in the media about the weather conditions and how it's going to be steaming hot. But I think you have some opposing views. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a really interesting World Cup in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but yeah, first of all, to kind of go to the, uh, to the weather, um, you'll probably hear across a lot of kind of lazy media outlets that, um, <clears throat> you know, it's going to be roasting hot and sweltering desert heat of Qatar. Uh, I've, I've lived, I lived there for seven years and the weather in November is, is, is very pleasant, actually. It can hit, you know, if early November can hit kind of 30 degrees um, during the day, but that's quite rare. Um, so, you know, expect kind of weather around sort of mid-20s uh, and in the evening, again, kind of low 20s, a nice coastal breeze. Doha is on the coast. Um, you know, the stadiums are all air conditioned anyway, because uh, they'd originally been planned for the summer, which would have been a ridiculous time for the World Cup. It would have been kind of 40 degrees and you just you can't play football in that weather. Um, but yeah, it all, so, so in terms of um, just being wary in terms of betting. So if you are thinking something like, you know, unders on goals or, or something like that, because it's going to be too hot. Um, I think that's a misnomer. It's a misconception by the media. Um, where you want to be thinking is is just in terms of the sheer number of games that um, you know the elite European players uh, or players based in Europe are playing at the moment. It's just kind of you know two three games a week 
um, and you know it's just been absolute chaos. So, so that's going to be the factor rather than anything to do with the weather. And in terms of travel times, you know, basically imagine, um, you know, the World Cup's pretty much been played across one metropolitan area. There's a few stadiums that are slightly further away from Doha, which is the capital, um, you know, uh, namely, you know, the Alcor Stadium and, and the Sale um, for, the, for the final. But these are all within easy reach. So as a fan, it's probably one of the best World Cups you could go to because you could end up seeing two or three games in a day. Yeah. You're never going to be more than an hour away from a venue. And consider that from a player's perspective as well, in terms of travel time. So remember in the Euros, we had teams kind of flying to three, four different countries for their games. Um, and, you know, you're obviously not going to have that. Everyone's going to be nice and well-rested in their hotels. You know, uh, uh, players are going to um, avoid kind of long journeys, kind of cramp, cramping up their legs, on buses, coaches, planes, whatever. Um, so... In that sense, I don't know how you would necessarily make an angle out of that, but but it's something to to bear in mind. So um, yeah, definitely lots of things to intrigue. Um, the kind of the level of fitness and um, sharpness of players. Um, yeah. When you compare it to a summer World Cup, where again you see some players are absolutely dead on their feet and you know just very flat. Um, the hope is that you know that won't happen, and hopefully we do get a lot of games with a lot of goals. Yeah, which, do you have any which takes? teams do you see that's affecting the most in terms of like I know England, like Harry Kane's playing a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone uh, you know with with a lot of players in uh, you know in particular in the kind of the top European leagues in the, uh, you know in, in England, Italy, Spain, uh, in France. So it not necessarily just the European teams, but teams with a lot of European based players. So even um, uh, who are starters. I think, for example. Um, there, there's definitely an advantage for um, like a team like the US, which you know I'm sure you, you'll probably get onto, who have a lot of you know quality players who aren't necessarily kind of uh, starting every game and are being rotated. Um, but yeah, but, but, but specific teams where you know they're yeah perfect example the likes of Kane. Um, um, they, they're, they're, I think they are going to struggle a little bit. I think I think. Fitness is going to be an issue this weekend. We have to kind of really look out for. So one caveat to all the bets that at least I'm going to make um, on outrights will be just to keep an eye. I've already been stung a little bit, and we can kind of talk about that later in the show. But um, yeah, it's just kind of keeping an eye on kind of the minutes that everyone's racking up. Yeah, yeah. So we're recording this on the 11th of November or 10th of November in the UK. So yeah, keep an eye out for uh, injuries that might happen post recording this. Um, do you have any takes on this, Paul, in terms of where you'd rather be situated? Would you rather be a team like a Qatar that's, you know, hasn't played much football at all in the last month and be like completely rested, ready to go? Or would you rather be an England, a Germany, a Spain, where you might be, you know, a tad bit fatigued, but you've got a, a ton of match fitness. Do you have any takes on that? Yeah, I mean, some of the coaches at the clubs do a better, you know, job of managing it than others. So it's, for me, it just tends to be a case-by-case basis. Um, that's how I do a lot of things in terms of pricing, just case-by-case. Case. I mean, I'd rather be a team probably like Ecuador, USA, like Neil's saying, somebody like that who probably has a healthy mix of some players like Caicedo, Adams that are playing all the time, you know, day in, day out in the EPL. But then you also have, you know, their club managers, somebody like Jesse Marsh, who's giving them a midweek rest 
in the EPL or yeah. uh, in the cup game. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think it just tends to be a case-by-case basis. Those teams, I think all their players are going in healthy, pretty good, looking good. You know, like Neil said, I mean, I tend to agree. England, I mean, a lot of those players have just played so many minutes. You look at, like, Declan Rice for West Ham or, like, Harry Kane, as we mentioned earlier, and Eric Dyer. I mean, Tottenham, I know Neil may have put something on social media or something this week about how ridiculous it was, you know, that they were playing all their starters in the cup game with how many minutes those guys have, especially yeah. somebody like Harry King going into the World Cup. So I think it just tends to be a case-by-case basis, but, you know, I'd certainly rather be some teams than others, that's for sure, in terms of the fitness levels. All right. Brilliant insight, fellas. I think that's a good way to kick things off, just to give a general background to yeah, how things are looking as we approach the tournament. But um, let's get into the juicy stuff. So let's firstly look at some of our best bets in the outright winner market. Obviously, as we all know, Brazil are quite heavy favourites. Um, got the likes of Argentina coming in after that with France. Um, I'll go to you first, Neil. What are you? Uh, what are you liking here in the outright market? Yeah, so I'm kind of splitting it into to three. So whenever I do have a kind of a bet on, on the outright, I'll have one kind of strong favourite, uh, one kind of mid ranger uh, team, and then one sort of big priced outsider for you know a bit of interest with the idea that hopefully that that you'll be able to trade them further down the line. So in terms of the betting market, you can see on the, the lovely new trade mate ticker on the bottom. Um, so Brazil are the, um, you know, I, I think they are deserved favourites. Yes. But their price has shortened in quite a bit. And in terms of the odds, in terms of um, form, I, I did deliberate on this before. I did write an article and didn't put them in there. But, you know, the, the more I'm looking into it and the more I'm kind of seeing in the run-up, fingers crossed, you know, there's no major injuries. I do think Argentina are a strong play. If you're saying Argentina and France are the same price, considering uh, some of the performances that France have been putting in, I mean, on, on paper, that France squad is just outrageous. Like the talent that they have, the players that can't even, their second team is better than most uh, first teams of, of the other nations there. But you can only play 11 players on the pitch. You've got a you know, Deschamps, who is an excellent manager, but is quite negative um, in terms of having a group like this and kind of unleashing the shackles of that attacking talent. And they just look very disjointed. Whereas Argentina, um, as far as I'm aware, I don't think they've lost a game for, for um, three years, almost three years. Um, it's you know, absolutely incredible run. And, and the last team they lost to was Brazil. So, you know, again, a worthy opponent. Um, you know, there, there's a really interesting uh, mix in that team. You know, you've got the sentimental value, which I don't normally read too much into, but at the same time, you've got Messi, um, again, who's playing in the, what some might describe as the Farmers League um, in France. You know, again, not really having to put in a, a huge shift every week. Um, so relatively fresh. Um, and again, you know, with, with a decent backup uh, cast. I, I like their midfield. I think they're, um, you know, strong and dynamic. Um, the Celso didn't really, you know... Um, wasn't really fancy that Spurs, but you know he uh, he's been um, playing well. He's quite an important part of, of that midfield. Um, you know they've got some kind of um, you know solid uh, um, solid guys. I was going to say something rude, but uh, <laughs> very solid defence. Um, you know some you know some some tough characters in there. 
and I think that record is something to really, really look at. So in the in the Euros, I think Italy went on a 30-plus game unbeaten run going into that, and they ended up winning the tournament. Obviously, they haven't turned up this time for the World Cup. Um, but it's always worth noting records like that. So they would be my pick in terms of you know the strong favourites. Um, then a couple of others. I think Croatia uh, are quite dangerous. I think they, they, their form has improved a lot. Um, you know, especially in the Nations League, they pulled out some really impressive results against big teams. Um, and the prices, you know, around 55s, I think they're definitely worth uh, you know for a potential trade and play. And then the third um, would be the Dutch. I think they've got you know they're free scoring. Um, they're a really interesting team. On their day, they can kind of cause a problem for any of the sides in this tournament. Um, and I did have, I mean, I did have another selection, but that's actually I've seen as your, yours, Alex. I'm kind of quite, I, I'm, uh, I do agree with your selection too, so I'll, I'll leave that one. So those would be my my three picks. Yeah, I, I like the Netherlands one. I think we'll get discussed this uh, throughout the podcast. But I, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about Argentina in terms of their defence Maybe a little bit light in midfield too, but you know the likes of Nicolas Otamendi. I can think it just depends maybe on how Argentina want to set up. But if they're going to play a high line, you can see someone like Otamendi getting you know caught out. They haven't really overall. They haven't really got the strongest defense when you look at you know some of the other teams in the you know other big teams in the World Cup. And we know how important defense is you know in a in a in a World Cup. So do you have any? Yeah, any worries about their defence overall? Because, I mean, obviously, in attack, they're, uh, they're you know, not going to be second to many teams. Yeah, absolutely. That There is a concern that there is a kind of uh, concern at the back, you know, in terms of kind of raw, raw pace that they might struggle with. But I think purely based on the fact they're pretty confident they'd probably outscore anyone as well. So in terms of the metrics for the goals they score, you know, they're, you know, they're exceptional. And, you know, there, there are goals coming from other parts of the team. You know, they're not just solely reliant on Messi as well. So yeah. um, I think that's a huge advantage. And, and I mean, to, to have a record like they have, to come through South American qualifying, which is the hardest qualifying group you, know, you, you can do. And it's kind of regularly very tough competitive games in difficult places. Um, I think that's been really good preparation for them. So um, absolutely, they're, they're, you know, there is there is a risk in one-off knockout games. Uh, again, you know, anything happens. A lot of closely matched teams, um, but I think they've got a really, really good chance of, of, of kind of competing and going all the way. Nice, mate. And uh, and Paul, who are you liking in the outright winner market, mate? Yeah, in the outrights. I mean, I I don't personally honestly bet a ton of the outrights usually um i like a couple for the world cup uh two in particular and really i like them because of the more of the price and the group dynamics or the dynamics of how the bracket i think will shake out um so the first one which will be a constant theme i think throughout the podcast is i generally like denmark's prices um obviously you could have gotten in a bit earlier on a couple of these but honestly denmark now you're looking at uh, 33s, I think generally you're getting like two places each way on that price at uh, pretty generally, I think like SBK, Unibet, uh, Spread X, a couple other ones. So, I mean, I think that's a decent price, honestly. Um, so, I think, I think basically the for me, I was looking at basically the winner of Group D. The winner of second place of Group D, and then uh, also the the second place of Group A. So Australia and Denmark, you're saying? 
Yeah, I don't know about Australia there, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's all right, mate. That's a complete joke. Uh, France and Denmark, but, uh, you obviously mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean France or Denmark. Whoever whoever comes out of that group first, I think has you know a, a very decent potential to go pretty far. Because if you look at it, you know you're either going to get probably England um, in you know, going down the road there. Um, and the next team would be like, or the first team you play would be like Poland or Mexico in the next round. So, yeah. I mean, that's not a bad opponent. And then once you beat Poland or Mexico, then you're looking at an England maybe, or somebody sneaky. Um, Netherlands maybe. Yeah, maybe Netherlands. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it can kind of go a few ways in that, in that one group. Like if Netherlands finished first, they're going to the other side of the bracket. So, I mean, if you're expecting Netherlands to finish first, then you're playing somebody like Ecuador, Senegal, I'd say probably Ecuador, uh, England would be. So if somebody knocks them off, you're also getting a easier opponent than even England. And I don't think England are really on form in my personal opinion. And we talked about the fitness issues and things like that. So your next two rounds, I'd say are pretty easy, easier opponents than most anybody else is going to play. And then in the bottom of that bracket, you're probably going to have Spain or Portugal coming through. And the other side's going to have to be dealing with either Denmark or France, whichever doesn't make it to the other side as first place. We'll be dealing with them. Argentina, you're probably going to have Netherlands over there on that side. Brazil, Uruguay, Germany. So, I mean, Germany or Spain, that is. So, uh, I, I really like to – I tend to like the teams from – that are getting to England's probably side of the bracket, that if England finish first and go to knockout stage, I tend to like teams on that side. So for that reason, I'd also say Ecuador at 250. Um, you're getting each way one over two there also, uh, and that's really widely available. You're looking at Coral, Ladbrokes, Betway, Pari, Betvictor, and any of the flutter books. So, I mean, I really think those higher prices are what I'd be looking at um, for the outrights personally. Um, like I said, I'm not a huge outright market guy, but that's kind of where my eye was drawn. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. I think I'm I'm kind of in a similar boat to you when looking at some of the outright winner markets. I just find it very hard to get excited about, you know, single figure prices unless they're, you know, very good. If Brazil were like a, you know, a, a six, uh, sorry, a seven or an eight or a nine, then maybe I could get a little bit more excited. But taking fives on a team, uh, where there's just so many variables in a World Cup, especially you know Brazil. I know they their uh, their front line is just outrageous, but I mean, it's it's hard to be taking single figures or fives in this case for for a Brazilian team that's failed at a lot of World Cups in the past too. Um, they lost the the Copa America last year too, so um, it's not like they're uh, they do too well in tournaments. Um, yeah, obviously France are very good, but seem to be having lots of problems with a bit of an aging side. I think if they put in a few of their youngsters, then you know your Salibas, your I'm not going to try and pronounce their midfielder's name that plays for uh, um, is it Real Madrid he plays for or yeah. PSG? I can never get that right. Uh, Tuchemeni or yeah, yeah, Tuchemeni, yeah. Uh, so I think if they play some of those guys, then you know that could maybe yeah, screw them up a bit. Yeah, I think the issue you might see with some of those teams, like an established team like France. I mean, like them, like you seem to get some almost like cycles on some of these coaches, like Deschamps. I yeah. mean, he was so brilliant in that last World Cup, pulling the strings that midfield of Matuidi, Pogba, uh, 
you know, playing every game and just Conte, yeah. Yeah, Matuidi, Pogba, Conte. I mean, it was just so beautiful to watch every yeah. game. And uh I don't they don't they just don't have that same balance. They haven't have found that same balance in forever. And like you said, yeah. some of their more talented players, you don't know if they're getting in the side or not. I mean me and Neil were talking about some of the young player bets, and it's almost hard to take some of the guys because you don't know mm. if they're going to be starting or not. And I don't mm. see somebody like Deschamps. I mean, I just see him sticking with the old guard, especially in yeah. defense kind of thing, like where you're referencing like Saliba. I mean, if he does go for a few changes, I mean, that's probably a positive, I'd say, for France if you're looking to back them. I always like to see the lineup. So, I mean, if you're going game by game, that's definitely to look for something to look for with France if you see some of those younger guys in the lineup. I'd probably be more keen on a more expansive France uh, with some of those younger guys in the lineup. Yeah, no, I, I agreed, mate. Um, but yeah, as as Neil mentioned before, I uh, my favorite is I, th- I think a lot of these outright markets you probably have to go double figures just in, just because you know the, the World Cup's a bit crazy. And I really like Portugal that you can get them as high as seventeen point five. You could get eighteens yesterday, but uh, unfortunately that is gone. I, I think that. They've got a. I think my biggest issue with Portugal is what's going to happen with Ronaldo because theoretically he's out of their front four or five players. He's probably in the in the worst form out of all of them. You've got Bernardo Silva, uh, Bruno Fernandes, Felix, Jota. Yeah, you've got all these star-studded <laughs> attackers all around Europe, and Ronaldo. Oh, maybe he's been hard done, well, not hard done by, but, you know, he's not getting the minutes, so it's a bit tough. But you can clearly see, I mean, every time I've watched him this year, even in the Europa League, like, he's not the player he used to be. Um, so I think that's my biggest concern is, like, let's just say Ronaldo doesn't get a start or isn't getting enough minutes for his liking, how that affects the camp in general. Like, is he going to kick up a massive stink and almost, like, ruin, you know, the the team energy or whatever you want to call it, the morale? Um, or does he potentially go back to his old ways? Because even, you know, even though he slowed down the last couple of years, he's still been excellent in some of these international tournaments. So um, that's my kind of biggest concern around them. But outside of that, um, they've got some great team combinations within Portugal, which I think just so pivotal in a World Cup like this where there's basically no time for preparation. Uh, Cancelo, Diaz, Silva, all for Man City. They've got a 1,000 Wolves players in there. PSGs, Vitania, Mendes, Danilo, Sanchez. Um, that, that could be huge in, in a World Cup like this where there's no not much time Is in there. Is going to be in the squad? Sorry, mate. Is Pepe going to be in the... In the yeah, that's what I was just about to talk about. I think that's probably their biggest weakness is a 40-year-old Pepe in defence yeah. and potentially him starting at centre-back. He'll have um, Diaz next to him, which is obviously a massive help. But I think because they play such a conservative style most of the time, that'll help him out. Like, it's not like they're trying to play like an Arsenal or a Man City-Liverpool with a huge high, with a, you know, with a high line and he's just going to get caught all the time. Um, so I think that probably helps him out a bit and hopefully he won't get as exposed as much. But yeah, my biggest issue is just the dynamic of Ronaldo and just, yeah, you, you just never know how that could play out if, if things go wrong. But they're in a relatively easy-ish group. They should go through quite easily. I think Uruguay is their biggest um, 
their biggest competition there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and if they top the group, then they're going to likely play a, a Serbia or a Switzerland or something like that. So, um, yeah, I just think it, I think it, you know, 15 plus, something like that. I think for me, that was the price that stuck out. Like I said, I like the Dutch too, just because they've got um, Van Hal back, who's, you know, coached them well in the past. Um, you know, they've got a very, very good defensive setup. They've got, um, oh, the name escapes me, the midfielder from Barcelona. Oh, God. Uh, I've, uh, I've lost the, the midfielder yeah. from Barcelona. Someone help me here. Someone yeah. help me. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, so that's another one I like too, as uh, as Neil mentioned earlier. But yeah, that's me for the outright markets. Any any thoughts yeah. on those fellas before we move on? Yeah, I was going to say because actually Portugal was one of my earlier picks as well for similar reasons to you. They're just um, like you say, you know, like defense can win you a tournament, and, and you know they've, they've got you know uh, again a very very strong defense set up. Santos again is, is a bit of a cautious manager. My, my concern would have been, <clears throat> I suppose, how Germany kind of picked them apart, um, you know, in, in, in Euros. But um, yeah, they, they've got that sprinkling of stardust. But but like you say, in a way, it's, it's amazing we're saying this. But but you know, yeah, Ronaldo could be a bit of a hindrance. I think at least in the next tournament, maybe this is perhaps the lead up for. With kind of Fernandez leading the line with with Jared Felix with Rafael Leal, you know, like with Silva, you've got a fantastic um, attacking combination which are quite dynamic. But if it's a case of you know, let's say Ronaldo being happy to come on as an impact sub for like twenty minutes, thirty minutes to go, um, I mean that's a huge player to have in your arsenal, you know, to to come on and affect a game and you know to have a, one big moment to score. Um, yeah. But you know, absolutely at the prices, um, you know, they can compete with anyone on their day. Yeah, just, just just a note from watching most of their international matches. I think uh, their manager would. I think he's going to be starting most games personally. Mm. Ronaldo, yes, Ronaldo. Based on yeah. how their managers used him recently, because there is some decent history there. But um, does he tend to play the full ninety? Like, has, has he been sort of uh, sub? Sorry, I missed that. Sorry, Neil. Has he been playing the kind of the full ninety minutes, or has he been subbing him off? Yeah, I mean, he could sub maybe, I'd say. But, I, I mean, I would see him starting most of the games. Not that he couldn't maybe not start the last one if they're already through or something. I mean, I could see that too. But uh, I would see him starting uh, most of them. Yeah. Oh, it'll be an interesting dynamic. At least, unlike, you know, playing for United, he's going to have some unbelievable wingers, midfielders around him. I'm no hit on United here. Obviously, they've got some good players, but I wouldn't say to the level of a Bernardo Silva, uh, Joao Felix, these kind of guys, etc. cetera. So, um, and then you've got Cancelo behind them. So it's, uh, it's quite ridiculous when you think about it. All right, let's move on to the, our group bets. Uh, we'll, start with, we'll start with you this time, Paul. Matt, you mentioned um, Denmark earlier. Uh, so for some of these, yeah, group bets, we're talking anything to do with group betting. I really don't mind dual forecast, advance to qualify, not to qualify, winner, et cetera, et cetera. So Paul, mate, kick us off. Yeah, so I got a, I got a couple of bets here. So, I mean, Denmark, I'm going to be honest, back months ago in a free telegram group I have, I tipped them up at like 10 over, uh, 10 over like 17 and a half or something. So it's obviously come way in. I think they should be shorter than one over three to qualify um 
So, I mean, any price that you're getting around 1.4 for them to qualify, if it's too short for you, throw it in a parlay. I mean, I'm a better, so it's not anything that's value to me. I doesn't matter. I'll I'll pull I'll pull the trigger. I don't really care what the price is as long as it, you know, shouldn't be that price. So, um, Denmark to qualify. If you, I mean, if it's too short for you, you can always take the them to win the group or whatever, um, or throw it in a parlay. Like I said, if you've got something else at a shorter price that you think is value, you could go Denmark France dual forecast. Uh, I think the best price out there is like one point four four. So, I mean, generally you're getting the price that I quoted at like Caesars, DraftKings, your Bet365, William Hill, Coral, Ladbrokes, all those. So I, I like the general price, uh, Virgin Bet, all those. Um, but most of their dual forecast, the highest you're going to find is 1.44 at William Hill. And most all the dual forecasts are actually shorter um, than that 1.4 quoted. So, I mean, that would just indicate value right there straight away. Um, so... I really like them to qualify, you know, play it how you want. If you want to play them to win the group, I'd say that's fine too. Or like I said, if you want to sprinkle them to uh, to go all the way uh, and look to trade out later, I think that 33 is nice also. So Den- Denmark to qualify would be the bet though for me. Yeah, they've uh, they had a really impressive qualifying, didn't they? Uh, just through the, yeah, through the qualifiers. Um, and uh, in terms of like, yeah, and obviously don't have the star players of a lot of the other teams, but they look. If you just look at the team set up, you know the combination. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's it's all based on group dynamics. You look at it. I mean, I think they're going to kick shorter than minus two hundred in both their matches against Tunisia and Australia. Hey, Tunisia, Australia got in through the playoff. I think they're horrible. They got, Australia, they are got horrible. it. I know they got it, and they got in through the playoff. And Tunisia uh, is like one of my lowest-rated teams at the tournament, uh, and they don't score a lot of goals, and they don't have a lot of forward-thinking players. Um, so I just, uh, I, th- I think it should be way, way shorter than that minus two fifty. Yeah. No. Agreed, mate. All right. Well, that's a nice little start off for you, mate. Anything you like in the group betting there, Neil? Yeah, I mean, I'm 100% in agreement with Paul. Like, I would just play it slightly differently, as as you mentioned. So, I'm I'm kind of going for the uh, the big odds on, on Denmark to actually win the group. Um, I think they were really impressive against France in the Nations League. Ericsson ran the show, um, but they they kind of weathered a storm, um, you know, in the beginning against France. But I think they've got the capability to beat them. And again, I don't see Tunisia or sorry mate I don't see Australia you know posing too much of a, of a threat to them so um, yeah that, that would be my plan but in terms of um, other bets I think uh, the group with Croatia and Belgium I can't remember the, the, the letter the group letter um, but I would Fiori uh, uh, um, I would definitely fancy um, Croatia over um, over Belgium I think there's a bit of concern of, of Belgium's form. The defence is kind of getting on a bit now. You know, good players, but but at the same time, ageing. And and I just think Croatia, you know, they, they, they have this kind of mental strength to see them through. And I think they could edge it. I think it's the odds. For me, again, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a play on the prices. And I think they should be far closer in odds than they are. Um, so I would, I would back kind of a forecast for Croatia-Belgium or Croatia to, to, to win the group. Um, you know, to get those kind of odds. So that's definitely another one for me. And one more as well, I think hasn't necessarily been picked up by the markets, um, is for uh, Poland to qualify ahead of uh, Mexico in that group. The reason being for me 
Uh, obviously, this is dependent on if Lewandowski gets an injury, you know, next week, <laughs> don't bet this. But but um, for me, it's it's based on the fact that um, um, Chicharito is, um, it, you know, the manager just doesn't want him in his plans for whatever reason. But I think again, he's, he's Mexico's most experienced striker. I think can offer you a lot at a tournament. Carlos Vela is effectively kind of uh, quit from the, the national team isn't available. And then next best striker, Raul Jimenez, still coming back from an injury. There's fitness concerns over him. They do have Lozano. They do have a few other good attackers. But I think as an attacking threat, I think that's kind of severely curtailed them. Um, and I think, again, at the odds being so close together, I think Mexico are kind of slight favourites ahead of Poland. I would have it the other way around. Um, so that would be another one of mine. And then the last one would be Qatar's qualified, but I think the odds have kind of caved in now. This would have been one of my selections before. I did post it up in an article. They were six to one uh, when I posted it. And now I think the best price in the market is around fives. Um, and I think that's down to the fact that Sadio Mane is out for, for Senegal. So that's kind of, you know, again, pushed the rest of the market. Is that 100% um, confirmed now? I think it's, uh, I mean, it's pretty likely. I think, I mean, at least the... The odds moved on Senegal, so um, I haven't seen them come back in. But it's it's, it's, un, it's unlikely he's going to be starting the first, you know, one or two games at least at, at the time of us recording. What what was the last price you saw? Because I mean, I like that Ecuador price, anyways. Just generally, or if you're looking at like Senegal not to qualify or Ecuador to qualify, I mean, I saw like two point one generally around. I think last I saw, I mean, above evens, so that's probably not. I mean, I. I'd say that's decent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, would, I, I, I wouldn't see, especially if Mane is out for Senegal, I I see the Ecuadorians as favorites there. I mean, you can always, I, I mean, most of their stuff, I like their game prices, Ecuador right now. Like, I think they were like plus 200 or uh, threes against um, straight up Ecuador was against Senegal, I think, in the market last I saw. So, I mean, you could also play a game by game, but just odds against is pretty good, I think, uh, to lay yeah, Senegal and back Ecuador there. You can get Ecuador still at twos at most places, 2.1 at um, yeah, at multiple places, 2.2 at spread X for Ecuador to qualify. So, yeah, it's easy. The market is just all over the place. Just looking at some of the the uh, the odds here, you've got you know Paddy Power's got Qatar at fives, whereas one's got them at 3.6. It's just, uh, yeah, I guess... The market's still sorting itself out. And, yeah, I guess as, as we said at the start, one thing to keep in our mind is that there's still uh, one round of football to play for a lot of these players and they're coming off huge, huge schedules. So a, an injury is, uh, is very much on the cards <laughs> for a lot of these players. Uh, and if you're talking about a Sadio Mane, a Harry Kane, um, especially Sadio Mane, like he is literally yeah. Senegal. Yeah, <laughs> Lewandowski, these kind of guys, like it's just um, uh, Sun is another one too for South Korea. It's just, yeah, it's huge. So, uh, yeah, all right. Cool, great stuff, fellas. Um, for me, I am taking you to Iran to qualify. I believe you can get around 4.5. Now, this is in Group B. Now, this... Uh, probably surprised quite a few because they are clearly the fourth favourite in the group. But it's mostly just based around uh, the other three teams in the group, I think, being 
maybe especially England, I think they're hugely overrated. Um, but also USA and Wales just don't really see them as there's no standout in this group to come second. You could even make an argument there's no standout to really come. I mean, obviously England should win the group, but they're not as solid as some of the other big teams, I would say, in topping their group just from their recent just bizarre selections from England. Um, so, yeah, I, and overall, Iran, they're a very defensively solid team. Um, there is a chance that their best player will be out who's an attacking winger. Um, so that is obviously a concern, but they are very, they have a very organised defence. Um, if I can just get up some of their recent results, if I'm not too slow, they've, uh, they've actually been, they've only really had one really bad result lately. In their last six, they drew with Senegal, they beat Uruguay 1-0, lost to Algeria, beat Lebanon 2-0, lost to South Korea. That's probably their worst loss out of loss out of all of them. Lost to South Korea two nil, so they don't concede many goals. And I think when you've got a teams like you know Wales and USA who haven't been, you know, they don't look all that exciting uh, to, to qualify to the next stage. I think uh, I just think they're an attractive price to, to qualify to the to the next stage. Um, there is a little bit of, they are in a little bit of a mess. I will, I will, they changed coach in September who, uh, who was doing quite, they changed to a new coach who was doing quite well. Um, and there seemed to be a little bit of uproar, uproar, sorry, between all the players as to who they wanted to coach, but then their next two games with their new coach, um, they beat Uruguay and they drew a Senegal. So it's not like it's all gone to shit ever since they got the new coach. So there could be, um, yeah, I think though they should be fine. And uh, yeah, like I said, a lot of this is just based around not fancying USA and Wales and England all that much. So that's uh, that's one of my bets. And then I don't mind Spain to top their group. I think they're a level above Germany at the moment. Just as a as a setup, I think uh, they're just a lot more solid. You know exactly what you're going to get from Spain and limited preparation going into the World Cup. I think. Uh, that's obviously going to help them out heaps. Germany pretty uh, weak defensively. They conceded three to um, to England, which is a pretty, you know, considering how well England are going at the moment, that's not the greatest thing that you want to hear. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind Spain at twos to top their group. And the other one I like is... How are they? Like Spain, what was they're, that? They're, they're kind of going under the radar, aren't they? Spain, like, they're not really being talked about. And that's always interesting like, in tournaments. Yeah, I like Spain. I mean, oh, that's another one I could have picked out in the outright market. My biggest issue is that Murata in front of goal is just, uh, he can be very, very hit and miss. He's not really trustworthy, which is uh, which is an issue for a, you know, a team that's going to probably dominate possession in a lot of games. If they're not going to convert their chances, uh, you know, because they're going to leave, they will be vulnerable. You know, they'll leave themselves vulnerable to score goals, you would think, in a lot of circumstances. So, that can uh, that worries me a little bit, but anyway, um, the other one is Switzerland to qualify. I think they're a bit of a level above uh, the other team in their group, which is uh, Serbia. I am correct, I think, in saying that. Yes, it is. It is Serbia. Serbia have got all the attacking talent in the world, but I think that defensively, you know, they're not as solid as a as a um, 
as a Switzerland. They come into the tournament, Switzerland, beating France at the Euros. Um, they were undefeated in qualifying with three straight victories against Portugal, Spain, Czech Republic in their last three matches. Um, great defence. I think they conceded twice in eight qualifiers, something like that. Obviously, there's an issue around their attack that they can be a little inconsistent in front of goal. But I think in a World Cup where they've still got a lot of their old players, you know, your Shakers, uh, Shakiris, they'll know exactly how they want to play. Same manager. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, against, uh, you know, their biggest competition to qualify will be obviously Brazil, but also. Um, Serbia, who can easily score goals, but uh, it's their defence which will uh, which will let them down. They kept one clean sheet in all the qualifying, and I think at a World Cup, defence is is paramount for the most part. So they are my group bets. Sorry if that was they. They do ship them Serbia. Also, I'll say that Alex, I did have one more uh, betting group E there for the groups. If you want me to blast that real quick, I'd love you to, mate. All right, yeah, and that would be, you know, you could have gotten, Cambia had a really bad price up on Costa Rica last in Groupie yesterday, and a few people tipped it up. I actually like, as an alternative, Japan to finish third in that Groupie that you were talking about. I mean, Spain and Germany are everywhere between 1 over 8 and 1 over 12 to qualify. So if you mash those two prices up with the price of Costa Rica to finish last, which generally is about uh like one over two right now but i really think it should be a little bit shorter than that even but even if you take it as the one over two the general price and you mash it up with the other prices you get a little bit of value there on uh, japan to finish third yep. in group e i'd say down to 1.8 but you can get it at uh evens at like i think uh oil sports but you can get it at like 1.9 at ladbrokes or coral and i would take that down to 1.8 uh whatever you know book you have i know a couple like pph's um offshores had it out there so i like that yep i like it mate it's a, it's kind of a shame that japan is stuck in that group because they're quite a good team aren't they um mm. like if they were you know maybe in, a, in another group i'm sure they would go through but um yeah shame for them but too bad japan all right let's move on to the uh the golden boot market <laughs> i'll start with you neil in this one uh, your man, Harry Kane, dominates the market. Mbappe next, Messi, Benzema, Neymar, Ronaldo, Lukaku. Um, I mean, I guess in this one, you kind of want to target a team that's probably going to go deep, but also maybe a player that's going to score most of the team's goals like because that could be an issue with Mbappe and Benzema, for example. Neymar's probably going to share some goals too, but where are you thinking in this one, mate? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you know, it's worth factoring in, you know, does that player take penalties? You know, like, are they going to be taking yeah. free kicks? Or, or, again, are there other forwards who share the goals with them? Um, but, yeah, I mean, top of the market, Harry Kane, no chance. I, I think, Again, he was top scorer in that England team in the last World Cup. But, um, again, there's a lot of concerns over, over England. And I just think he's burning out a little bit. And, and you know, my hope, and I hope I'm wrong. I, Will gladly be wrong if, if if that's the case, but just at those prices, I just think it, there's just no value. Mbappe as well, he's capable of scoring a few hat tricks, but that needs that he needs the team around him to click. 
So really where I'm looking at, and, and again, this doesn't sound particularly imaginative, this sounds kind of like mug bets, but actually you've got, um, again, Neymar and Messi um, and Ronaldo, you know, three, you know uh, two of the greatest of all time, you know, one of Brazil's best and forwards in brilliant form, at, at decent prices. So if you're getting an each way bet, four places, um, you know, it, four goals has been enough to, you know, to, to place in, in, I think, the last eight, eight World Cups. So, you know, you, you, again, you've got that on your side. And of those three, are you really telling me that none of them are going to hit that? I think Neymar is a very good price. At the price that he would be, he would be my pick, um, especially considering the Charleston's kind of touch and go. Um, whether you know Gabriel Jesus will, will, will start or Rafinha, um, they will contribute. But I think uh, again, you know, Neymar is, is going to get those goals. He'll be quite hungry for it. He's been in good form. He's pretty well rested. You know, he's not playing um, constantly for PSG, but he's been in good form whenever he, he has started. Um, so he would absolutely be be a pick, kind of a bigger prize selection, but um, one with a caveat. Now would have been Mitrovic. Um, I, I'm actually quite keen on Serbia, and especially um, for, for a striker like Mitrovic, who doesn't necessarily need a high conversion rate. You know, he's got a kind of a head like a bullet. You know, <laughs> he can kind of get goals out of nowhere, for, um, and you know, kind of, kind of got a good range of um, of goals that he scores. Um, as an outside value, about 66 to 1 last time I checked, um, you know, he, he would be my other pick. But really, um, I, if you're kind of going with the kind of, you know, the, the big three, of, you know, again, Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo, um, I, I wouldn't put you off. I think, uh, you know, this is a tournament potentially made for, for all three of them. Yeah. Nice, mate. And what about you, Paul? Yeah, so for the goal scorers, just one note, I'd say, um, if you want to take somebody maybe like Ronaldo or Messi, you might want to look at the league top scorer markets. Those haven't really trickled out yet, but, you know, you're looking at like league one top score or Premier League top score or something like that. And like Ronaldo top score, Premier League is seven over one. You can get up to four places if you want each way. Um, kind of generally out there, Darwin Nunez, somebody like that at 25 to 1. Those are interesting markets too, just if you like, you know, somebody like Ronaldo, um, but you don't want to play the, you know, the full, the full market there. Those are pretty interesting markets. The only ones I had for goal scorer, really, uh, I did see Tim, Tim Weah generally available as the top USA goal scorer at 14s. Uh, I, think, I think I saw it at Bedfictor. You got a PPH that rhymes with a rast action. That's a good one for a price there. Um, so uh, I, I would be looking at him. He's going to be the right wing for USA. He's to me, he's the most advanced, you know, modern forward for the USA. I mean, Pulisic is good. I would love if Berhalter played way up the middle at nine, and he may have to at some point. So that could be a potential tactical advantage of this bet. But as Alex was saying earlier, Berhalter tends to be kind of conservative, so I don't really see him doing it. He's probably going to shove somebody like Ferrer or something in there, and I I really would see Tim Way scoring way more goals in the middle. Um, it's like a watered down. Uh, version of somebody that gets in behind, like in Cuckoo or Mbappe, like a very watered down version of that. You could play him through the middle, I think. But um, you're getting 29s for him as the League One top goal scorer. 
And then you're only getting 14s, but you're getting 14s as big as that for him as the top U.S. goal scorer. In that League One market, you've got guys like Messi, Mbappe, Neymar, Jonathan David. So if you're getting only, you know, only 29s for that, but 14 over one for the top U.S. goal scorer, where the only other guy really in the market that you're looking at is Pulisic, um, the penalty taker. In all honesty, because I, it's like you said, it's a pretty defensive team just because of the coach's mindset. I, they got so much talent. I'd be all over them if Berhalter wasn't the coach. But at the prices, especially, and I mean, they're even intriguing at prices generally, just in a you know like a lay England mentality. I'd say in that group, but you know, just as the as you said, Iran was. But for me, way a top U.S. goal scorer is just too big at fourteen over one. If you got that website I mentioned earlier. Uh, I bet Pulisic at six to one there earlier, and he's down to five over one as we record right now. So that that's an insane price. So I'd also hop on that. You can get. I'd say I wouldn't go below like, you know, five uh, five for Pulisic, maybe five point five for Pulisic's price. Um, yeah. I wouldn't go below there, um, and it's not going to be generally available. But for Wea, that's a generally available price. Like even that bet three six five, you're getting like thirteens. I'd take that. In a heartbeat, I'd probably take that one down to 10. So, weigh is my bet there for the top U.S. goal scorer. I like it, mate. Good stuff. Uh, for me, I think it's pretty similar to the outright market. It's it's kind of – it's pretty hard to predict because it just depends on who's going to go far. Um, for me, I, this was a bit of a no-brainer, 50, 50 to 1 or 51. Uh, I bagged him before, but Murata to be top goal scorer. I think there's a good chance that Spain could go very deep in the tournament and he's their striker. So um, it's, it's. I mean, obviously he, he could share goals with the likes of um, Ferran Torres and, um, and Sarabia, these kind of guys, but he's their striker. I think he could go very deep in the tournament. If he hits a bit of form, to me there's, you know, he's a good chance at least, like you guys said, each way kind of prices. I think, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, Bit of, I mean, that's where I would go if it was me. Any thoughts on those? That? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not so keen on Murata, but 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 at the end of the day, he, he puts himself in those positions. So you know, again, XG, like, mate, it's going to turn around. You're you're really looking at who what you're looking at goal supremacies in the group and how many you know goals more than half you know half the tournaments the group so you're looking at how many goals they're going to score in the group um essentially so if you if you like them against like that costa rica or japan backline then that's that's why you like a price like that yeah there we go mate that's why i like it good stuff all right uh other bets so you can take me through some random markets here if you like uh we've got our you know, team to score the most least goals of the tournament, stage of elimination, golden glove. Um, yeah, rifle me through some of these, Paul, some of the markets we haven't talked about that you like for the for the outrights. Yeah, uh, the team to score the most goals in uh, the group stage. So, like, like you said, there could be different terms on all these bets. And the, with the World Cup stuff, you find so many ARBs and just natural things like that. From different books just because simply there's so many prices out there and you can you know re-engineer the lines and there there's so many different wordings on the lines and things like that but you want to look for this i mean i'm saying i'm saying team to score the most goals in the group stage i like 
Argentina, Brazil, Portugal kind of Niels mentality. You sprinkle a little bit on each. Um, the prices in the PBH world kind of for the Americans and offshore, you know, you're looking at like 7.5, 8, and 20, respectively, for Brazil, Argentina, and Portugal. At SpreadX, you can get Argentina at 7.5. I'd take that down to 6.5. You can get that generally. And uh, Portugal, you can get at 17 also at SpreadX. Um, I'd probably take that down to 15 anywhere you can get it. And then Brazil at 5, at Betvic or at 6, actually, at BetVictor or Betway. And Boyle Sports also. And I would probably take that one down to five. So all those teams to score the most goals in the group stage. And really the argument there is just you look at their supremacies uh, over their over the groups and they have the most the most teams in their group um, where the supremacy is high enough that you could have like a balloon match kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And like Portugal at 20, like when, going back to like what you're saying, like Portugal's out there at 20, like in some of these offshore sites and stuff that's just crazy to me because like you're saying their group i mean it's not really uh too difficult outside of year or why you could see them cracking one of those defenses open a couple times even though they tend to play conservative i mean that's why you're getting a price of 19s 20s whatever but they could you know pop a few past and all the even against uruguay so they'll probably score goals against uruguay they're not defensively that great yeah, and I mean, I'd rather, like, if you're looking at Brazil or Argentina, I'd rather, way, way, way rather bet these prices for them to score the most goals in their group than for them to win the whole tournament, personally. Yeah. Um, because you're, you're, you're only looking in that condensed time frame, something crazy might happen later in the tournament, and you already know that they have the advantages in those groups. Farther down the tournament, you don't know you have that supremacy advantage, so why take that chance when the prices are the same in both markets? would be my take on that. That's yeah, probably easier to score more goals than win a World Cup. So, yeah. Uh, Neil, mate, what about you, mate? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I saw that just, just before we, we came on air, uh, the, the team to score the least goals, there's a lot of traction on on, uh, uh, on some teams, but I saw Australia were there at 14 to 1. So just to, just to annoy you, Alex, and just something for you to, you know, to keep your interest on the Australia game. So I'm going to back them to score these goals. Um, but there, there are a few other ones as well. Um, but the, the markets don't seem to have come up on, on the UK side. I think on uh, Paul, uh, Paul and I were discussing before, I think on the PPH, is that there are the best young player markets. Um, it, it's a tough one to, to call. And I, I would have put Cody Dakpo on there, but I think maybe he doesn't actually uh, meet the cutoff that um so that, that that's something i want to look at um in terms of man of the match uh for the netherlands i think basically i'm, I'm going to be looking to, to, to back him i think he's been in outstanding form this year he's getting better and better i think his importance to the dutch team is going to increase and you know um he's one of those players you know when, when you have a world cup or a euros where you get that kind of breakout star um and you know you kind of ticked all the boxes potentially uh, for that to happen this time. So I would be looking for him, you know, um, across those markets. The other thing is the golden glove. I'm not really decided on it, but maybe, Alex, if you could kind of put up the market, it might be worth a, a little kind of mini discussion. Um, I found this kind of a, a, a tough one, really. Um, <clears throat> if, uh, yeah, basically, the golden glove is, is for is like the best goalkeeper of the tournament. 
Um, usually, um, I think Oliver Kahn has actually won the Golden Glove and the Golden Ball, which is you know for the best player and the best goalkeeper. But generally, it's um, you know one or the other. So yeah, you have Allison at the top of the market, of course, for Brazil. Um, it's not it's not um, necessarily a deal breaker if if the player doesn't. Um, win the tournament or get to the final. I think uh, Courtois you, won it. You probably need a goalkeeper that's going to be busy. I, don't, I know that sounds stupid, mm. but someone that's actually going to have to defend or make a lot of important saves. Yeah, absolutely. And gen- generally, it does go to you know to to a finalist. But um, again, I think Martinez could be of interest. I think Rui Patricio at the prices, if Portugal make a good run, I think he is going to be quite important because they will you know. Um, Big chances, and you know there could be the chance of him being, you know, being a you know, again like a, a penalty shootout hero. Um, but it's an interesting market, one one to maybe monitor. I, d- I don't know, you know, if this will kind of go in play as, as the tournament progresses. Um, but it's definitely, it's sort of a, a puzzle I haven't necessarily cracked yet, but one of interest. Yeah. All right. Interesting stuff, mate. Uh, Paul, I think I missed a couple of your bets. I think I skipped over you too quickly, mate. Yeah, you're good, man. I mean, Neil was talking about a couple of those markets, so I'll just go back and touch on both of them that I was going to talk about. So the first one would be that youngest player award, and I know there's not many prices out on you guys' side, but generally I'm seeing Caicedo, what is this, Caicedo of Ecuador, at 151. Um, There's not a, you know, I mean, you're probably going to have to go a bit further, but you don't have to win. Pogba won it when uh, France didn't win in 2014. So you don't have to uh, actually win the tournament to win that. And I just think at 151, if he pops in a couple goals and they go far in the tournament, 151 seems very big. You might even get bigger when more prices come out, and you'll probably get some each-way prices on your end. Uh, But, I mean, I'm fine with that. I like that. Um, And then I also like uh, in that lowest-scoring group market, the lowest scoring group, I like Group B and Group E. Group B, you're going to get, I think, sixes at William Hill and Boyles, or maybe it's fives. I'm not sure. It's six or five, but I like either one of those prices. And uh, a group for Group B, I like 10. Uh, I like a 10 at Coral or Ladbrokes and also Boyle. So group Group B and Group E is the lowest scoring groups. I think F's the only other competitor for me in this group. Um, I think H is way overrated in the market, and I actually think B is where B should be where H is. Like H is like plus two hundred, I think, uh, which is like threes. So I just think that's a crazy price. And uh, Group B, I, it's kind of cra- it's kind of a crazy bet at ten, but I just don't think that they should be um, the le- the least favored in the market. The, the market's saying Group E should have the most goals, but I could see like that Spain Germany game where market might have a couple goals for that, but. Um, I could see that being a drub affair, you know what I mean? Um, especially if the, how, the way it shakes out with the other side pieces in the group and they don't want to hurt each other kind of thing. And uh, I guess they're I, I just, just expecting Costa Rica to get smashed up every time. They would, but I would tend to say that Costa Rica and especially Japan have very solid defenses like that Japanese team held Brazil yeah. in a friendly a while back uh, pretty pretty well. Um, and uh, I, I love that Japanese defense, and I don't think like the Japan-Costa Rica game is going to have a ton of goals, even though Japan might have a supremacy there. So I just think that there might be some market room in there, and uh, those are my lowest scoring groups, B and E. Yeah. 
Uh, on on Japan too, uh, Tommy Asu. I don't know if he's he got picked in the squad, but he could be injured because he did his hammy about a week ago, and we know what ha- hamstrings are like. Like he could literally be out the whole tournament, and he's you know probably their best defender. So just keep an eye out for that because he will be a uh, yeah key for their World Cup. Um, I will finish things off with Netherlands to reach the quarterfinals at 1.8. I think you can get that in a few places. Uh, like I said earlier, I think uh, Netherlands will top their group pretty comfortably. Uh, they are in a group with, just so I can uh, get the names out there for everyone, Netherlands, Senegal, Ecuador and Qatar. Yeah, Obviously, Senegal are taking a massive hit maybe with Mane being out. Um, and uh, Ecuador, like clearly a level below the likes of the Netherlands. So I think they'll top the group and then they will play either uh, Iran, the USA or Wales most likely. I think they're clear favourites over those teams. Um, and overall, I just like I just like how they've got Louis van Gaal back, a pretty pragmatic coach, which will go a pretty long way when you've got guys like DeLitt and Van Dyke at the back, uh, along with De Jong in midfield. And they've got, I wouldn't say they've got a, a star up front, but they've got a lot of decent players in Depay, Bergwijn, Gakpo, these kind of guys. So um, I can, uh, yeah, they look a team that'll be hard to beat. Maybe they'll struggle for goals here and there, but um yeah, I think they're a solid, solid prize at 1.8 to, to make it through the quarters. Worst case scenario is they play England in the round of 16 and, you know, depending on their group form, I would still favour them. Just from right now, I would still favour them. Obviously, group form is going to play a massive part in that. But, um, yeah, that's what I like. Any thoughts on that one before we uh, wrap things up, fellas? I'd just say looking forward, that's the best way, I think, to play Netherlands if you're high on them. Alex, I actually missed one more, though, that I'm going to give out, and it's just uh, the low team to score the least goals. That's going to be – I'm going to give out Costa Rica and Morocco. Morocco's at 19, so that's the bigger price, and then Costa Rica is at 11. Both of those are at Boyle Sports right now as we record. So I really like both of those, and, uh, I mean, we've been bashing on Costa Rica all day. I don't see them scoring against any of the opponents in that group, honestly. They'll probably score zero goals. And my uh, only one would be Germany. I feel yeah. like they could nick a goal against Germany if they went like Germany just went full berserk and you know it's a it's a possibility, but I'll take the elevens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For them not to. <laughs> against Germany. Oh, I love it. All right. Brilliant stuff, mate. Uh we'll finish things up with our best bets of the tournament. Neil, you can kick us off, mate. Uh, best bet, of course. What's my best bet? There were you, a few. I, can I just say, you've written down here Gakpo, right. man of the match in his three group games. I mean, yeah, just, just back him at the prices. I just uh, beating <laughs> Where uh, are your Gakpo uh, posters, mate? Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, so I'll get them up for next time. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, again, and I think uh, this isn't a specific best bet, but I think in a tournament like this, again, don't I would say don't get carried away with with teams that are making a slow start. So, so it's, it's kind of more of a general best bet. So, Spain are notoriously slow starters. Um, there's there might be a few shock results here or here or there. So, so take advantage of that opportunity. If one of the big teams has kind of lost their first game, 
um, yeah. and there's been a kind of shock result. You know, that's the time to back at a big price, and um, you know, and then the market's going to overreact a little bit. So, sorry, that's a bit of a cop out, but I but, think yeah, that's excellent advice, mate. I think betting against narratives in a World Cup or anything really, Premier League, these kind of uh, sorry, I'm still here, is uh, is probably the way to go overall because the media will just get a hold of like let's just say even let's say england you know if they have a terrible first game like they're already getting shit on essentially by everyone if they have a terrible first game but then Southgate comes out his second game and he just goes screw this my tactics aren't working completely switches everything up they could be a bit (laughs) you know what i mean as much as i hate england uh and for you paul yeah, so my best bet of the tournament is probably, uh, you know, Denmark to qualify from Group D or however you want to play that. That's probably the, the best bet of the tournament, I'd say, um, for me. Love it, mate. And I will go with Netherlands to reach the quarters, as I mentioned before, at 1.8. Terrific stuff, fellas. We've just gone over an hour, so perfect time to finish things up. You can uh, find these wonderful gentlemen on Twitter. You can find Neil at MyBetterLife. Life. He's kicking off his channel sometime soon too for anyone that wants to subscribe to that. Now is the time to get in early before thousands of people join and you miss all the prices later on. And you've also got Paul. You can follow him at, at Fainting the Line. Um, maybe you want to explain a little bit about your group, mate, because we never had you on the podcast before and people might not know who you are. <laughs> yeah, so you might hear me referencing two price sets of prices i mean i'm obviously in america um you know and uh so we tend to bet in like the offshore world or like something like that or you know pph shops uh there's a few legal shops here and things like that but basically what i do is i just make some prices and uh for both odd sets and i have two separate groups um that people subscribe to and uh get all my prices so that's basically what i do Good stuff, mate. Highly recommend yeah. checking. Yeah, like actually, like so, because I've, I've been working with Paul for a while now. Like, as it is, one of the sharpest uh, guys on props that I know. Like, really, really smart. Like, uh, and um, yeah, to be honest, like what he's charging is is, is criminally low for what it is and the work he puts in and, and the results. Most importantly, so yeah, I would say definitely check it out. That's probably a great thing to mention too. Yeah, it's all uh, a lot of what I do normally is like player props or game props and thing a lot a lot of markets like that is what I specialize in. So that's a great point. Thank you, Neil. Too kind though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you the address that tender in the post. <laughs> what do you want to say? Anything nice about me, mate, before we head off? Oh, really? Do I have to? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well no, are you are you are you sending out any more um UFC stuff, Alex? Is this stuff like, well, can we uh, check um, that out? I'm under the radar now. I'm under the radar. They're rubbish anyway. You don't want them. <laughs> but if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at, at AlexVella underscore. Not too much going on there, but, you know, I retweet a few good things, probably just people shitting on Tottenham and all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you want to shit on Tottenham, give me a follow. Uh, but we will – I'll be attempting to do basically a live stream for the World Cup, everyone, uh, before each match day. So I'm looking at – getting on every, uh, I think, at UK time. I think it's 9 p.m. I think that's when the last group game finishes. So I'm going to attempt to try and get someone to come on with me at 9 p.m. every night other than what would be 
uh, Friday night for you guys and also Saturday night. So for me, that would be yeah, Monday through to Friday every morning, uh, getting on and doing a live stream to preview the next day's action, um, which we did for the Euros and it was it was so much fun and it was really great interactive community we had going on, everyone commenting um, on the live streams and uh, suggesting bets and we were just, you know, discussing them. It was a great time. So I thought we got to do it again. Um, so, yeah, we'll be very active for the first two weeks for the group stage and then uh, as we go into the finals, <clears throat> obviously be a bit more sporadic because there's not games every day. So keep an eye out for those, everyone. We'll try and get the likes of George Gamble back, um, Ryan Bruno, Tony Alvarez, these guys that have been on the channel before and, um, and yeah, give you guys some match-to-match -match bets. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, you guys, for contributing. Uh, as I said, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. If this is your first time on the podcast, please do a quick rate and review of the podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you're listening to the podcast. And if you want to ignore all the advice, advice sorry, that we give you on the on the podcast, and you just want to go by the numbers, you want to just follow the market, you can do a free week trial of TradeMate Sports and start your value betting journey and follow the sharp markets to get some uh, some nice EV prices there. And, uh, and subscribe for the, for the World Cup. So thank you, fellas, once again. And, uh, yeah, hopefully catch up soon throughout the tournament. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks.